Well, since we've been in an unusual vein all week, is it all right if we stay there? Amen. <laughs> I think we're going to have to because I, I tried to get out of this one all day and I, you know, I went through a whole Bible and there wasn't a message one in it. I know most of you don't know what that's like, but uh, sometimes when you're trying to get out of something, you'll just make sure there's nothing else to say. You say, well, do you ever, you, why do you try to get out of it? Well, sometimes it's just how it is. You ever know you need to do something, but you try to get out of it? Don't, don't leave me hanging. Because I know I'm not that different than everybody else. I'm going to share with you the, the fourth dream that I told you Sunday I probably wasn't going to share. But I'm going to share it. And I got to tell you, I, I'm going to be right up front and all of it. Again, I, I try to always be up front. Frank, I don't ever say let me be honest with you because I think people ought to be honest with you all the time. You ever had somebody, well, let me be honest with you. Well, uh, that'd be good. <laughs> right? So how about let's be candid or let's be frank or let's be up front. So let's, let's just be candid. This stuff is stretching me to the max. You ever been stretched spiritually? This stuff is stretching your pastor to the max. Not stressing me, I don't think, but stretching me. And, I, and I'll even tell you that this is stuff I normally would have avoided like the Black Plague. But, you know, trust and obey for there's no other way. And I, I've told you, I've given you some insight and some other things, and uh, I'll remind you of. And one of the things that I've been dealt with strongly for weeks, maybe months now, is by the Spirit that I've been, that to, you have to make room for the supernatural. If we're going to be a full gospel people, come on, I was raised in full gospel where we believed it all. And then you got a, you know, you get a bunch of fruits and nuts and flakes in the church. Had a preacher one time tell me that, that a, church, a good church was like a good box of cereal. It's full of fruits, nuts, and flakes. And I've seen that in my life. I, I've seen some just outright at, outlandish and ridiculous and conjured up. What's it? Sensationalized, made up, Whatever. And I know what happened. You know, over the years, we've became a nonprofit organization. And I'm not talking about our tax status. <laughs> that the pendulum swung all the way the other way from supernatural to the place that people started looking for things and trying to invent it rather than letting God work. And then we swing all the way the other direction to where you don't make any room for anything. Is that right? I read to you Sunday when I began to describe. I read to you out of Joel. I read to you out of Acts chapter 2 about your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. We talked about the dreamer Joseph, the dreamer Jacob. We talked about, well, there's all kinds of visions and dreams throughout the Word of God. And now I'll remind you that a few months ago, uh, and I could tell you that I, I've had some dreams in my life that I know they're spiritual. Uh, you know when they're spiritual. You'll know. If you have a spiritual dream, you're going to know when it's spiritual. 
And I, I had forgotten about one of them, actually, several, was when I first started pastoring. And I, it was so vivid and so real, and I knew sometimes you had to ponder these things out. The Lord's dealing with you over days, sometimes weeks, about what he's saying. And sometimes you just know right off the bat what's going on. And I remember when I first started pastoring, something that happened, and I took it to heart, and it has served me well. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is smart? And he knows what you need when you need it. Amen? Well, it was when I started pastoring that I, I remember one night I had a very vivid dream that I built an enormous bonfire. Huge. And worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and then lit it. And it was, when it began to blaze, when it began to blaze, the snakes began to come out of it. The big fire drew, drove out the snakes, and they were very aggressive, coming straight for you. Trying, they were, they're, they're, they were, their intent was to destroy, was to kill you. And I remember in the dream, the only answer for the venomous attack was to take its head off. How many of you know you don't coddle a copperhead? Now, come on, you don't have to be too spiritual for some of this stuff. Anybody got a pet copperhead that they pull it out and love on it? Rattlesnake? Water moxin? None of those things. Right? I, I knew that, when, that whenever you begin to work and build a church and begin to build the fire of God, that it drives out, it, it brings the snakes out. And you got to handle it. You just got to handle it. You don't pet it. You don't entertain it. You don't negotiate with it. Anybody ever negotiated? How many's ever run up on real close with a water moccasin? They stink, right? And they're very aggressive, right? You know, a rattlesnake will try to get away from you most of the time, but a water moccasin will come after you given the chance, right? Well, did you negotiate with it? No. Well, there's some things I've known, and it served me well in the ministry. I know a lot of pastor friends and evangelist friends that they could have used that same advice for the Holy Spirit that saved them a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. Well, a couple weeks ago, on a, and it's actually in the morning time, I had this dream. You say, you're going to be telling me about dreams all the time. I'll, I'll just be right up front with you. If the Lord keeps giving me dreams and he tells me to share them, then I'm going to share them with you. I've had another one this week. He hadn't told me to share it yet. Say, well, have you went crazy or just changed your diet? None of those things. None of those things at all. But I do remember a few, I've, I've said all I've said so far to tell you, I've always been kind of a, a, a dreamer, a knower, a seer. Mostly through the Word of God, the Spirit of God begins to deal with you and show you things. I've always, uh, I don't mind telling you, uh, if someone operates in the gifts of, 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 of tongues or in the gift of interpretation of tongues or the gift of prophecy, everybody knows that, right? You've been in a church service where someone gave a message in tongues, someone else gave an a interpretation of tongues, or in a, or, or, or they give a 
uh, edification or whatever in a known language, but it's, but, it's, but it's supernatural. It's a movement of the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about. So you know when, you know when you're operating in these gifts. Well, all of my adult life, I have, been, uh, I have operated in the gift of discerning of spirits. Notice I didn't say discernment. If you are a blood-bought believer and you're in the Word of God, you will have spiritual discernment because you know the Word. Discerning of spirits is another thing, a completely different thing. It's a, it's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit that reveals in you the spirit which motivates somebody or something or a situation other than what it's presenting itself as. Does that make sense? And that being the case, and I'm thankful for it, that's a very helpful thing when you're a pastor. Mm. No way man's there. You don't get caught off guard too many times, blindsided very often. You don't get shot in the back or stabbed too often because the Spirit of God is one ahead of you. Right. Can, I, can we turn to Ephesians and we'll get started? I've laid a little groundwork, now we're going to talk fast. Ephesians chapter 6. Very familiar. We've dealt with spiritual warfare and all the like and where we live at for how long now? Months. Looking back, again, the Holy Spirit was smart. He knew what we were headed towards and knew what we would need. You know, the, you know that the Word of God that is inspired and its purpose is for the, for the, for the teaching, for the building up, for the preparation of the saints do you know that by the Spirit of God, through His Word, He's been preparing you and me and this church by His Word for, for weeks and months uh, for, to be equipped for the time and the season that we live in? And that's a privilege and it's an honor that He would think enough of us to, to, to give us and equip us with what we need before we need it. Amen? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Your strength better be in the Lord. It's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord, the Lord of hosts. Right? You better be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then it says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. How many of you know he's sneaky? He's scheming. He likes tricks. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world. That's kind of an interesting statement if you've never looked at it. Against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness, darkness in this world, and against spiritual wickedness, in heavenly 
places. That's a bigger statement that maybe we look at it sometimes. Tonight I want to talk to you, I think what we're looking at is in the realm of principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness. A few weeks ago, it wasn't even in the early morning hours. Actually, I had, the kids were off to school, Heather was off to school, and I was getting ready, and I just laid across the bed, and like that happens sometimes, I lost consciousness. <laughs> and during that time, I had a very vivid spiritual dream. I don't usually have notes, but I write all this stuff down because it's important. I saw I was pulling around coming to the church, and I saw a very large rattlesnake, large, in the yard. And when I noticed it, I was, first of all, impressed by its size, big. But very quickly, it was joined by another large rattlesnake. And it began, they began to dance. Have you ever seen the pictures, videos of when diamondback rattlesnakes, well, it's mating season is what it is, and, and, and it looks like a, a mating dance, but it's actually when that happens, have you seen them, they rear up about half their body length, and they get together, and they begin to twirl, and intertwine. you know what I'm talking about? That's actually two male snakes. They don't harm each other, but they're fighting they're fighting for the right to reproduce. Strongest man wins, right? Well, in this dream, there were those two large rattlesnakes doing that. But I had to get in. I didn't have time to mess. Even though they were intimidating and they were right in the lawn, I didn't have time to mess with it. I had to get inside. And when I got inside of the church... Now, I want to be sure to clarify. I want to clarify some things up front tonight. That is off, this is talking about the church and not excluding this church. Does that make sense? The church, but not excluding this church. And even some things specifically this church. It's why I hesitated and am still hesitant to share all these things. Because if it's not for the direction of the Holy Spirit, these are the things that gets people in the middle of a firing squad. <laughs> Inside the place, it was, the service was started, but it was very out of order. Talking over and arguing, talking across interruption, disrespect. And when I brought correction to the few people that was causing the problem, they were highly offended. Highly offended. Have you ever noticed that the people causing the problems are the ones that get mad? Help a brother out. <laughs> they left mad, went outside, left the building. And there was a man that followed them out along with me, a, a very specific man. I could see his face. I know him. You know him. <laughs> but I'm not going to mention him because that wouldn't be right. And I recognized him, and he, and, he, and he followed them along with myself. And when I got outside, there was a planter. You know what a planter is? Like 
elevated flower bed, brick. And inside that planter, it contained dirty and murky water. And the man walked into the water. He stepped up on the planter and walked up into the water barefoot. And when he did, I saw, but I stayed on the outside. When he did, I saw that the snakes were now in the water. And I used like the handle of a broom or a hoe or something along the line. You know how you could have enough distance to reach in and get underneath and raise them up where you could see, right? Do you follow? And I began to use a handle to show him the snakes and to pull the, and to, I'd pull them up over and over and say, look, they're here, they're here, they're dangerous, you're, 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 you're going to get bit, they're barefoot, get back. But when I looked in there, they were, now they were in a, they were, this was a, uh, now the, the dominant male was there and it was in a twist with the other snake in, a, in, the, in the manner of reproduction, really, it was what was going on. One of them was very large and you knew that it was the male. But as I raised them up, I began to notice over and over that not it was a very large but it, that it had three heads. And I'd pull them up again, and this time the female was still twisted up with, with the three-headed snake, but it was reproducing very rapidly. Lots of small, very rapidly, dozens. And I kept trying to warn, you need to get out. They're dangerous. And then at that time, somehow I dropped my Bible in that water. It, like I knocked it off, like I had it or dropped it, like I lost control of it, knocked it, and it landed in that water. I didn't want my Bible ruined. But I knew better than to reach in. Right? Would you read, if it's full of rattlesnakes or whatever, would you reach in after it? No. <laughs> I knew not to reach in. But when my Bible hit the water, I didn't want it to be ruined, but when, it noticed that, when I noticed that when it hit the water that the snakes and what they had reproduced were instantly gone. And the Bible was undamaged. How many of you know that'll make you sit up on the side of the bed? First you'll think, man, that was weird. That was strange. Anybody not ever remember anything they dream? I don't generally remember anything. I'm just asking. I mean, who dreams in color? Me. I dream in color. How many times you dream and you don't remember a thing all the time? That's me. But over the coming days, I'd already had these other dreams that I'd already described to you. And I knew that this one was obviously had some serious connotation to it that needed to be thought. And I needed some help from the Lord. I said, Lord, you got to tell me what's going on. And I'll say again, how many of you know that if, if the Lord can give you something, the Lord can help you know what's going on? So I began to read. I began to pray. I began to seek some advice. And I, there's some things I knew very quickly about snakes that are generally 
a false accuser or a liar, a gossip, a false way, uh, some kind of, uh, of attack maybe. I did realize a good thing that this thing's transpired outside of the church. How many of you know the details matter? How many of you just think I'm weird? <laughs> the offense over the disorder inside was a fake offense, staged. How many of you know that sometimes right now in this, in this age that we live in, how many of you have already noticed that there's no way you, all these people are that offended over everything all the time? Fake outrage. Especially in the political arena. People are mad because they think they're supposed to be. Come on. Because I need to know if we know what we're talking about tonight. Am I right? Fake offense, staged, to cause disorder. But when it's not tolerated, it stomps out. That's called pride and control. What in the world is a planter about? Church, it's where the seed is sown. It's where the seed is sown. It's where it's planted. It's where there's a planting. It's where there's a harvest. Murky, dirty water almost always indicates false doctrine and bad teaching and, and wrong ways, wrong direction. Three-headed snake. False religion. An old, an un holy trinity I mean if you know all the way through the word of God beginning in Genesis that the accuser was the serpent and all the way to, to the revelation when you see the dragon or the serpent come up out of the sea is described the same way right and reproduction means a mass, uh, that a, a, a false way and lies taking root and to begin to produce. How many of you know, who was it? Was it Winston Churchill? Help me. Was it Winston Churchill that said the lie can be around the world before the truth can get its pants on? Is that right? How many of you know when you, when you allow things to spread and to, and to, and to, and to reproduce that it, that it will get out of control very quickly? I knew to stay out of it. There's some things that you got that you can't handle in the way I described earlier where you just go at it head on and take its head off. Some ways that sometimes that's not the way to go. Sometimes you got to stay out of it. I'll tell you why in just a moment. Let the word do its work. When the word of God dropped in, there was no more problems that eliminated the issue. Church, let the Word of God do its work. It'll remove the threat. The last thing I had really on my mind was who was this barefoot church member that left with me, <laughs> that walked in the water 
and walked in the planter that didn't seem to be concerned with the threat that was apparent. It was someone who's willing to stand for and with you in the truth. That was unafraid of danger and was willing to put, and was willing to put their faith in the, in the truth of no weapon formed against you will prosper. And the bare feet I knew was about that the, that the danger was defeated and it was under our feet. Church, <laughs> there's spiritual battles going on all around us. The Word of God declares in Hosea that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. These are things I don't even want to touch because the connotations of coming from a pulpit of what can be said about what the Holy Spirit is saying in itself upsets people. Remember, we're talking about the church and this church is not excluded I began to hear a word bounced around after this that I, I didn't really want to deal with because every time I've ever heard this word thrown out, it come from a weirdo. You know, because there's people just looking for things. Come on now. Y'all act like I don't know what I'm talking Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You know, you're talking, there are people that broke their toe while they were coming out of the kitchen eating Cheerios and they're telling me what the Holy Spirit was doing. You know what I mean? So I keep, but everywhere I turned, somebody was saying, Pastor, what do you know about uh, Leviathan? Is that how you say it? Leviathan. I thought, not much. Every time I hear that word, it's from a kook. <laughs> Leviathan. Anybody ever heard that word? Who's heard that word? Show me your hand. But I went and looked it up because it kept coming up. I've learned when things keep coming up to look it up. Amen? And I found out that Job 41 was about Leviathan. I found out that Psalm 74, I believe it is, is about Leviathan. I found out that Isaiah 27 is about Leviathan. And I, but I was particularly interested to find out that the Holy Spirit dedicated an entire chapter of Job to Leviathan. How many knows that the Holy Spirit saw fit to put something in the Bible once, it's important? If he puts it in twice, it's very important. If he puts it in three times, you might ought to know something about it. If he puts it in five times in three different books and dedicates an entire chapter to it, it might be worth finding out about. Well, Isaiah 27 
and 1 says, In the great day of the Lord, sounds like we're getting close to that, right? How I many of you know that, that, that little phrase right there matters? I'm telling you something tonight and I'm teaching you something tonight. Is that all right? In that great day of the Lord, he with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent. Even Leviathan, the crooked serpent. And he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Now, I noticed a few things. Now, Psalm, I think it's 74, tells us a little more. But I noticed something here. That the way to destroy this creature was with the strong and great sword, with his sore, strong, and great sword. His, capital H. We're talking about the Word of God. All through the Word of God, it says the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the, soul, the joints and the marrow, the soul of the spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We know that when Jesus returns in his second advent, when he, when he puts down the assault of the dragon, of, of, the, of the enemy, that it is with the sword which proceeds out of his mouth. He's talking about the word of God. How about and the weapons? How about in your in your armor that you have the the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your Lord's going about with truth, above all the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There's nothing the Lord or anybody, the, the Spirit will ever give you by dream, by revelation, by His Word, by a pastor, by an evangelist, by anybody speaking on His behalf that will not line up with this book. It has to be right. When the, I, I, I read in the Psalms when it's talked about Leviathan that he was a multi-headed serpent. In Job 41, verse 34, I believe it's the last verse of the chapter. On this whole chapter, on this strange creature, it says that he is the king of the children of pride. He is the king of the children of pride. Of pride. Most scholarship believes that in this description in Job that they were probably, the imagery may it even have been of a crocodile, something along those lines, but multi-headed or a serpent. It's described and it's one of those things that the scholars go back and forth on. And is it Satan himself or is it principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places? Personally, I believe from all my study this week and from what I've seen and what I'm, what I'm feeling and, that, and my feelings wouldn't matter if they don't line up with the word, I believe that he is a principality and a power, a spirit. 
How many of you know that in the spiritual realm, there's much that we don't know and much that's not said, but there's enough said to give us an idea? We know that there were angels. We know that there were archangels. We know that there were cherubim. We know that there were seraphim. We know that there were demon spirits. We know that there are holy angels, archangels, fallen angels. The Bible describes Lucifer as an angel of light. If you'll read, mostly you'll find out that he was probably the most powerful of the archangels. He's the only one I've read that had more than one duty. And he had such sway that he was able to persuade a third of the created beings of heaven to throw in their lot with him and rebel against God. He's sneaky. And what caused it? Pride. He was beautiful. The, word, the Bible describes him as multicolored, multi, that his, that his, that his, that when the light hit him, that he reflected light like gemstones. And it talked about how his pipes and his timbrels were beyond compare, talking about his musical ability. And it said that iniquity was found in him. How? He started thinking and doing things like, I will ascend into the heavens. I will be like God. I, what is that? Pride. I will submit to you that what we're dealing with and what we're seeing in the spiritual realms, not only in, in the, the church, but it affects this church and every believer. He would, how many of you know he wouldn't give it to this pastor if this church didn't need to hear it? He said that, that we would deal with principalities and power, rulers of the darkness of this world, and wickedness in high places. I will submit to you that we're dealing with a spirit of Leviathan. Is it okay to say that? We know about the spirit of Jezebel. We know, now I, I've heard, I hear preachers, uh, I told you that we're trying to push out everything supernatural. We don't want to have anything that you have to dig, that you have to study, that you have to, that you have to, to, to mine out to know the deep things of God. I'm not looking for anything that's not in there. I'm not looking for anything sensational. I just want to know what God's saying. One of the prayers that I've been praying for weeks uh, on a daily basis is, what are you saying to your people? And what do your people need to know? This spirit, it says, is the king of the spirits of pride. It produces a false offense and a false humility. A deserving, uh, an almost deserving spirit that you deserve to be a gossip. That I deserve to be a liar. That I deserve I don't want to get ahead of myself. 
He's a, he says, you twisted serpent. How many of you know to have noticed this? I've noticed it as a pastor. I've noticed it in marriages when I talk to people. I've noticed it on the airwaves when people begin to speak, especially in the political arena, that someone will say something and the other person hears something completely different. Have you noticed that? Now, this is the, I'll look down and y'all don't look around because a lot of times that happens between men, a man and a wife. When there's a spirit of offense that comes in, that there is, there's, a, there's a spiritual twisting in the air uh, for, between your mouth and their ears. That they'll say, you'll say something, well, baby, how about this? And they say, she'll say, why in the world did you say that? And I say, I didn't say that. That's not at all. Now, don't be looking too much at Heather back there. This is, well, this is just an example for everybody because I, I've talked to dozens of people that have told me the same thing. Well, I didn't say that at all. That's not what I said. Well, what did you say then? Or how many of you watched a politician that they'll say something and you heard every word articulated and they'll say, oh, that ain't what I said. Now, some of you just chalk that up to just a liar and there's some of that that's true. But it's like there's no tape. Are you with me? Why? Because it's twisted. Maybe you notice, some of my prayers in church, maybe you have probably noticed are almost routine. It's not because I can't pray something different. They're, they're, they're deliberate. They're on purpose. Lord, I welcome you in this place. This is your house. Have your way. Touch hearts. Touch lives. Change. I pray that almost every service, Right? But almost without exception, I'll pray a prayer that I learned that I pray a long time ago as a speaker, as a preacher. Lord, give us ears to hear. Hearts to receive what you would say to your people. Why? Because I found out a long time ago that preachers say one thing and people hear something else. I got to hurry. The Word of God in Psalm chapter 119 and 104 says, God says, for I hate every false way. In Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in 16, it says there's six things that God hates. Yea, seven are an abomination. You with me? A proud look. What is that? Pride. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Let me tell you, I'll pause right there and tell you, I believe abortion fits into that real good. I believe it's included. I believe it's part of, it's part of what he's talking about because during those times there was the false gods of Baal, Molech in particular, that required the blood of the innocent. And I believe that is part of it, but I believe there's a, more of a, there's, a, there's a physical application that I just told you, but there's also a spiritual application because I've seen a lot of people murdered with people's tongue. I've seen them sliced and diced and left to bleed out on the floor. And let me tell you, God hates hands that shed innocent blood. He hates a heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift to wickedness and mischief. 
He hates a false witness. And he hates one that sows discord among the brethren. On the outside of that church, there was two deceivers that were dancing and fighting for the right to reproduce in that body. There was already false strife and discord going on within that had to be dealt with. And they took great offense. It was, it was feigned offense. It was false offense. It was drama offense. It was the cause. It was, the, it, was, it, was, it was offense that causes ripples on their way out. It's also a mark of the time that we live in. Go read Matthew 24. You need to read it and read it slowly. Remember, one of them is the first thing Jesus said is to not be deceived. But as you read, you will find out, and it said that many will be offended. Many shall be offended. Why? It's because of lying, twisting spirits. Manipulating spirits. In that dream, the man followed me out and was willing to stand in the danger and stand against what was coming. And I want to tell you something, that that is a man, that as a Christian, that is a believer that God honors. The Bible says, because there was strife going on over people sowing discord and disunity and The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called what? The sons of God. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17 says a friend is always loyal. And a brother is born to help. In the time of need. Listen, we need to draw together as a church and develop relationships as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that will will make peace rather than problems, that will stand up rather than back off, that that will shut it down rather than to participate. You say, are you singling out Mauriceville? I told you, the church not excluding this church. If we ever think that we're so pious and we're so good that we're not included, hmm. in Job, it talks about this spirit has scales that are so thick and so heavy and so tight that they can't be penetrated. That's why, no, that there, that's why that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's why the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's why our weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is why that it says it, that he was defeated by the great and fearsome sword of his, the Lord's. 
because the word is the only thing that will do. These, their scales of protection of this spirit and their spirit, their scales of rejection, their scales of pride, their scales of, of, of lying spirits, their, their, their scales of manipulation. They, they, they manifest falsely very often. How do I say this without somebody misinterpreting what I'm saying? Because there's people that have real problems with this. But most of the time, it's a manipulated lie. And what is that? That they operate in a spirit of rejection. Oh, I deal with rejection all the time. Or low self-esteem. Are there people that have been rejected and have low self-esteem? Certainly. But you know what it is more often than not in a spiritual sense and in the realm of, of the church? It's not rejection and it's not low self-esteem. It is arrogance and pride. What do you mean? It is a spirit that comes on somebody that believes that it's all about them all of the time. And when it's not, you've been rejected. Oh, Oh, do you know that when you see that it's a it's a lie and it's and it and it and it is actually the, the highest form of pride to believe that everything is about you. It's a problem in this world because we're raising children that believe everything is about them. Church people are doing it, secular people are doing it, school people are doing it. We're doing it all over. It's all about you, baby. Some of you, you can, you can exhale. It is an arrogant position. I know people that, that when they walk, that, that when they've been somewhere, they'll say, I'm not ever going back there. Well, why? Well, when I got there, they were all talking about me. Anybody ever run into that? Oh, I'm, I'm alone again. I remember one time when I was training at my first job, had a very wise employer that owned the place. It was a restaurant. He would say, don't stand around in a group when you're not that busy to wait on tables. Don't stand around and, and, and talk because somebody in the dining room is going to think you're talking about them. Said so you could be talking about Football. You could be talking about going to the mall. You could be talking about the movies. You're all standing in a group and somebody's sitting out there and one of you just happens to look up and go back to the conversation where you're automatically talking about them. I'm trying to hurry. This, 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 this highest form of pride that tries to manifest as rejection that will get upset at a look. Or a missed handshake. Or didn't get included this time. You didn't call. You didn't text. Guess what? They didn't shake your hand either. They didn't call you either. They didn't text you either. They didn't shake your hand either. They didn't speak to you either. They didn't invite you either. 
but they're rejected. No, it's a manipulating, lying spirit that is at work. And it has destroyed more families. It has destroyed more relationships. It has split more churches. It has driven out more pastors. It has killed more ministers. They tell me still that 1,500 preachers a month live the pulpit and never return. Why? This. Those three heads, lust and perverted ways, fear, and false religion. Perverted twisting of truth. Are you sure about that, Pastor? Well, I got to tell you, if you start to believe that every look across the room is about you, you've got a problem. If you, if you believe that somebody that you've never had a conversation with or rarely have a conversation with, but if you walk in the room and there's two people talking, they're automatically talking about you, you've got a problem. If you've got a friend, if you've got a relationship, if you've got a pastor, if you've got a teacher, if you've got a spouse, that if they don't call you for two days, three days, four days, five days, and it never occurs, your first instinct is to be offended rather than to think, you know what, they may be tired, there may be something wrong, there may be something going on in their life. Maybe I should give my friend a call and check on them. If your instinct is, is that you're rejected, that, they don't, that, that, that they're mad at you, and, and nothing has transpired, and you never give any thought to what's going on in their life, you have been deceived by a lying spirit. The good thing is it was going on outside the church. The bad thing is, is it was going on outside the church. What do you mean? Well, it's a good thing it's not happening right on the front pew. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's going on outside so it can go on behind people's backs and so they can, can gain an audience, so they can, so they can reproduce and overwhelm. How many of you know that, that lying, false witness, overblown pride and twisted truth reproduces exponentially. Church, it's heavy. Church, it's quite a message. Church, I was apprehensive. Church, I'm standing here now getting towards the end knowing that I was absolutely correct and absolutely heard from the Lord. Absolutely know what was going on and it absolutely needed to be said. Frankly, I'm surprised he put me on tonight and not Sunday morning, but I'm not preaching Sunday morning. That could be it. But church, we got to deal with it. This is not the time to be looking down the row. This is the time to be saying, Lord, guard my mind. Guard, guard, Lord, guard my heart. Lord, shine your light into my life. And if I've been a part of any of those things, Lord, I repent and I change. I'll turn from my wicked ways. If you're... <laughs> I better talk to the camera. Because if you're involved 
and conversations about your leadership behind their back and you're calling other people and bring them into it. You are one of the things that God hates. Hands, men that sow discord among the brethren. He hates it. If you are destroying people with your lying, twisting, gossiping tongue, you are hands that shed innocent blood and God hates it. If you think everything is about you all the time and the church ought to be geared towards all of your needs and it doesn't matter what anybody else needs are, you need to think about your proud look. Hmm. You know what I'm sitting here thinking, don't you? Wow, I can't believe I said that. And maybe for the first time tonight, either in person by live stream or later on on YouTube. Yes, it's for you too. If this is a year from now, two years, five years from now, and you find it on YouTube and it hits home, it's for you. It's for you. And maybe it's the first time you've ever realized what you are participating in. It's because it's the first time the Word of God has ever been able to penetrate the scales of the of, of this attack from hell that's coming against your mind. Because listen, you're not going to talk it out of people. I'm talking about when people are influenced this way. You're not going to reason. You're not going to reason it out. And work it out. You can talk about it. Everything's fine. You turn around, come, you turn around, come back in ten minutes, and they're in the same spot they were when you left. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. You know what? I, you know what? The first thing I have to deal with when the Lord talks to me, me. You know who gets worked over first? Me. You know who gets to say, oh. Lord, forgive me. I'll not participate in that anymore. You know who gets it first? Me. So I guess I need to get over it and realize if I get it first, you might as well get it next. <laughs> These are the only thing that's going to build a healthy church that can survive the coming days is for us to get delivered from the deceptions and the lies that are going on around us in our life, in our church, and in our family. We need to get back to the days when we do know it's not all about us. We need to get back to the days when the Word of God is the standard. We need to get back to the days when we say, you know what, I'm... I don't like that you're saying that. That person's my friend. I'm trying to wrap up early. But it would help me if you, if, if, if you, if you went, yeah, that's right. You know what? Because that's a lost thing. We don't seem to mind cutting people down, but when somebody, why, why can't we look at somebody and say, you know what, I, I don't need to know that. Here, I'll give you another example in closing. And I really am trying. How about when they tell you something 
that you know to be a twisted truth or a lie that you say, you know what? That's not true. And you should probably quit repeating it. Oh, it may not make you want to shout, but it's good stuff. Because I can tell you right now that 95% of what divides people will end that quick. If you will look somebody in the eye and say, that's not true. Well, yeah, it is. I heard it from someone. Well, that's the problem. You heard it. And that's the problem because you was... Do I need to elaborate or we got it? Church, I'm talking about people that'll stand with each other, that'll go through things with each other, that will, that will stand in the gap for each other, that will stand up for each other, that will, that will tell the truth and stop a lie. Because if the church, Jesus himself said it this way, because see, that's division. Right? And a house divided against itself cannot stand. If we're going to be strong and healthy, we've got to come together. Yes, the Spirit is alive and well in the earth today, and I believe it's one of the biggest, biggest problems on the scene. But it's destroyed with truth and light. It's defeated with truth and light. Stand with me. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that we've ministered your heart tonight that we've stood on truth, on solid ground. Lord, tonight, I've been praying for weeks and I'm gonna pray it again tonight, God, that you expose the lies of the enemy. Lord, that you expose any hidden agendas that are at work. Lord, that you expose any generational lies that won't let go. Lord, that you expose anything that interferes with your work and with your gospel and with your people. Lord, we know that light dispels the darkness. Lord, we know that men stay in the dark. They prefer the dark to the light because their deeds were evil. Your word says so. Lord, shine your light into the recesses. To expose the attacks and the agents of the attack. Lord, have your way tonight in this house, in this church, in this people.
Lord, we love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And the church said, amen.